0: And why? The question suggested itself even as he raised his hand to the doorbell. Yes, why in the world should a really great man take the trouble to surround himself with so emphatic a material magnificence? A large element of taking trouble there must certainly be. Not even wealth. And what he was confronted with, he saw, was inherited wealth rather than the mere fruits of a substantial earned income." "'Not even wealth made this sort of thing trouble-free nowadays. "'Anxiety about where the housemaids were to come from "'and how the place was to be heated must, under present conditions, "'tiresomely creep out of housekeeper's room and butler's pantry and assault the owner. "'Nor, Mr. Thewlis understood, was there a lady, Paxton. "'Sir Bernard was a widower, "'so that female vanity could not be responsible for the maintaining of these splendours. Doubtless there were noblemen, and others in higher place for whom the utility of such a way of life still outweighed its inconvenience. People, Mr. Thewlis vaguely thought, who give political parties. But for a man whose labours were on that frontier, where the higher physics passes into the inapprehensible, it was distinctly odd. And Mr. Thewlis shook his head, whereupon Sir Bernard's butler, Taking this as indicating a disclination on the part of the visitor to remove his overcoat made a noise at once respectful and peremptory. Mr. Thewlis took off the overcoat. He handed the man his hat and suffered the discomfiture of seeing an expert scrutiny passed upon the unimpressive label inside the crown. He had already relinquished his umbrella, which happened to be a good one. He had the impression that he was suspected of having purloined it during some momentary failure of surveillance in just such another resplendent place as this. Then he was ushered into a library, where he waited for some time. This interval, had he known it, was heavy with destiny. But Mr. Thewlis was aware of no more than a growing sense of oppression, which he put down partly to the sultry quality of this London morning, and partly to the sombre richness of the apartment. The furniture was ancient, carven and massive, upholstered in dark velvets, upon which glinted dull silver studs. A velvet, thought Mr. Thewlis, and being unable without discomfort even to think of sitting down, he discreetly prowled about. It must all be Spanish, he decided, even to the heavy presses sheltering the books. And, of course, both pictures in the room were Spanish. Indeed, they were almost certainly the original work of Velasquez. Mr. Thewlis was somewhat humiliated to find that his first impulse before these masterpieces was in the direction of financial calculation. Persons who moved more familiarly among private collections of old masters were presumably superior to this vulgarity. Conscientiously, then, Mr. Thewlis elevated his mind to aesthetic contemplation. The first painting represented a peculiarly repulsive court dwarf. The second was of a radiant little prince, dark-haired and dark-eyed, who clasped a formidable musket in his right hand and glanced slantwise out from a scene of improbable carnage among wolves and boars. It was a vision of the felicity of childhood, and the whole room, it suddenly occurred to Mr. Thewlis, was contrived to contrast with it and set it off and this made Mr. Thewlis uneasy. His uneasiness, in turn, made him feel bourgeois and provincial. And by this, his uneasiness was increased yet further. Caught in this unfortunate circle, Mr. Thewlis found himself distrusting everything around him. He distrusted an eminent physicist who lived like a grandee. He even distrusted his butler. But this was absurd. Why should he nurse dark suspicions of a man simply because he had been impertinently curious about a visitor's hatter? Mr. Thewlis realised what was happening. He was simply more and more distrusting himself, and of the burden of this abasement he was endeavouring to lighten his ego by projecting the occasions of his distrust upon the world around him. If Mr. Thewlis was not altogether confident about himself, this was certainly not because he had disappointed any very general expectations. Little had been prophesied of him, either by himself or others, which he had not fulfilled.